Hello, my name is Declan Deneen. Welcome to Checkpoints. This is a show about video games, the people who play them and the people who make them. Each episode, a guest on the show talks about the games that have shaped their life in one way or another. Games that have inspired them, games that have forged connections, and games that have soothed wounds. My guest today is the game designer Dominique Ferland. Uh, I hope I did that accent justice. Uh, AKA Dom2D, uh, most recently created the excellent Flint Hook, uh, which is available now. I highly encourage people to play it. And and I appreciate that. It does seem like every single game that comes out now is really good because, you know, they all do seem to be. But for me, anyway, personally, Flint Hook scratches uh, a really particular itch that I had. I find it very enjoyable to, to play. And so, um, obviously, we talk about that a whole bunch uh, in the interview. And kind of the inspirations behind that and also just you know all the games that that shaped uh dom's life as the show title and intro suggests um one of the things that came up on the show actually was uh dom talked about uh playing pictionary on the nintendo entertainment system which is a really weird pull but he specifically mentioned how how much he enjoyed the music um and as is tradition, I, I always tag a bit of music onto the end of the show. Uh, and this week, I looked up the soundtrack to, to Pictionary on the, the NES. And geez, it is a belter. Like, I would highly encourage people, if you don't usually stick around till the end, like, skip ahead if you have to, but just listen to that uh, that music or, or look it up on, on YouTube. Um, it's it's amazing. And I actually I ended up going down this a bit of a rabbit hole because the, the theme was con- composed by this guy called... Uh, Tim Follin, I believe. Yeah, it's Tim Follin. Um, and, and he composed like a bunch of amazing sort of soundtracks uh, during the 8 and 16-bit era, but generally on games that have kind of been largely forgotten, like weird little niche games. Um, there's a really good kind of little mini documentary I found about him on YouTube by a, a channel called Major Third, um, which I would encourage people to, to look at. If you Google his name, it kind of comes up pretty early. Anyway, yeah, his his stuff is brilliant. So you know, good good call on that, Dom. I'm sure there's a bunch of people shouting into their uh, their podcast player of choice now, saying, "Oh my God, how can you not have heard of Tim Follin and the Follin Brothers?" Well, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's hard to keep up sometimes. Uh, of course, if you'd like to keep up to date with the show, please do subscribe on whatever podcast app that you use. And if you really like the show, um, please leave a rating and review on iTunes or tell a friend or whatever you can do to kind of encourage more people to to listen to the show that tends to be the best way if you really like the show there's a patreon page which is patreon.com forward slash checkpoints if you have the money and the inclination um all donations very gratefully received and go back into making the show as good as it possibly can be if you have any questions or you'd like to get in touch you can email it's checkpointspodcast at gmail.com or it's at Checkpoint Show on Twitter, or it's Checkpoints Podcast on Facebook. It's very important to have consistent branding. Um, okay, this is a this is a really good fun chat. I hope uh, I hope everybody really enjoys it. I will be back next week with a new episode and a new guest. But until then, let's get on with the show. Um, okay, well let's let's do uh, for, for the sake of, of, of formality. Let's do a formal introduction. 
So, Dom, okay. welcome to the show. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. If you don't mind, would you introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm Dominique Ferlin. I'm uh, known on Twitter and uh, in the games industry as Dom2D. Uh, I'm a game designer and an artist. I uh, I think I'm mostly known for my illustration work, but now that I've released Flinthook, maybe I'll be known for that too. I, I have to. I mean, I, I'm sure you get sick of people saying your game is great, but honestly, the game is great. Um, oh, thank you. So hard. Um, like I still can't beat the first <laughs> boss, and that is that is a testament to my my aging video game skills, unfortunately. Um, but it's so good, and it does it does this thing that that only games can do, and it's like this. I've mentioned this on the show a couple of times, but um, it hasn't come up that much. But like I need to sorry, let me start this again. Like I'm not a I'm not a game designer in in any way. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of games, and I know enough about how they're made, but I don't know any specifics really. Um, which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why I love doing the show because I get to talk to people, and you know, I'm, I'm just interested in in processes and you know how people design things. And the thing with games, like you can, I can understand how an artist would draw something. I can understand someone writing a story, you know. But with stuff like Super Mario's Jump, like how do you write Mario's Jump? How do you make that? There's such a a kind of right a, a, a thing that's out of reach like almost hard to describe and you get that with flint hook just that the the way that the hook works is so oh I, I wish i could find the right word for it it's just it's such a satisfying connection between what i'm doing and what is happening on screen that like i just don't know how you'd even begin to start creating something like that you know does that make sense right, right uh, totally and uh I think I think it's it's closer to like art than you would think. Maybe like uh, maybe an artist will draw the, the, like the same the same cow a thousand times before he, it 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 starts expressing what the artist wants to express. Okay. Uh, I, I think with design, it might be the same thing where you do have an ins- instinct that you can translate into mechanics, but it's mostly about like tr- iterating and and trying and trying until. It, it feels like you want it to feel and it expresses what you want to express, I think. And is it literally just kind of changing values in code and then yeah. see how that feels, see how that feels? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, I see. It, should, uh, it, shouldn't be, it shouldn't be more complicated than that. I guess some games have uh, more complex systems that have uh, more uh, variables than that. But for, yeah. for a good jump, it's, it's basically try to come up with good physics and uh, that's about it. Oh, honestly, it's so uh, it's so satisfying, and, and it's one of my absolute favorite things about games is that is those kind of the the feeling of what you're doing having such an impact on on the screen that like it's it's one of those things that you don't notice until it's not there. If you know what I mean, like yeah, uh, like EDF, right? Everybody loves well, not everybody, but a lot of my friends really love EDF. <laughs> you know that game EDF, and I could yep. never enjoy it because everything just feels so like like paper thin to me it all just feels like cardboard there's no there's no feeling yeah. of, of physicality which is why like yeah. capcom are one of my favorites because capcom are just oh man they're the best at that they do they do friction so well you know but but then again like monster hunter i cannot play that game because it to me it feels like 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 cardboard like you said oh really uh, that's weird i've never actually played monster hunter so maybe that would that's that's the one that i've, I've missed out on 
Yeah, but I guess the the other systems are so good that it's it's fine to not have a a good feel sometimes. But yeah, I can't play that game. That's a shame. I'm I'm quite keen on it. I quite like the idea of it, um, especially mm-hmm. after now I, I just completed um, Horizon Zero Dawn. Did you play Horizon? No, I haven't oh. yet because I I don't own a PS4 right now, and uh, that's a good thing because I have enough games already. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it's it's ridiculous. It's far too many games at the moment. But that 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 right. the feeling of kind of traversing the landscape and hunting big robot dinosaurs it was just oh, it was amazing such a, a delight i bet it is so let's let's go back right let's 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 trace trace this back then dom this is this is the structure of the show so if you can remember what was your very first experience of a video game so uh, i know that my first experience is the the cliche got a, a nintendo at christmas and played it okay but uh, my first memory of it is with Mario Brothers 2. Uh, but I know that I was there when we got the, the NES and we played it for sure. So set, set, uh, sort of set the scene. So is this in Montreal? Is it a big family? Uh, so it's me, my sister, my dad, and my mom in uh, a small town nearby uh, Montreal called Saint-Eustache. Okay. Uh and uh yeah i think we got it when i was like two or three so it's 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 clear that i probably can't remember any of that uh but i think i think my my mom and dad were just part of that that uh, nintendo hype of just it's the cool thing to get that christmas yeah it's the thing for the kids like everyone had had them seemingly everybody every single child in north america was was gifted one at some point in their youth yeah, pretty much, and then and then the games that we got for the Nintendo through the years were always the next uh, like big hype thing, like the next Mario or uh, like Tetris and like games like that. And did like uh, the, and then we did did it sorry. have an impact on you when you were young though? Like, do you? I mean, obviously you're very young, but do you remember any kind of connection to? Oh, it? I, I was I was clearly obsessed with the yeah, I was clearly obsessed with with all these games. Uh, Especially Zelda, very very early on, uh, I was I was drawing up uh, Super Mario Brothers uh, levels on 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 sheets of paper, uh, doing level design before I even knew what that was. <laughs> and what sort of uh, what sort of levels were, were you creating? Do you remember? I I don't know. I think were they just copies or were they just mad variants? I think I just invented new crazy levels on paper and would play them in my head uh but i i wish i could find them again because uh i think I, all i have from from that era are um the little comics that i would do because i would also draw comics yeah so it's funny because you you can clearly see like the two aspects of my my career were were there very early on <laughs> yeah all laid out on paper I, ahead of you yeah pretty much uh but yeah it took me uh, 18 20 years to even know what game design was after that so that's I'm, that's I'm, crazy was was the the, the were the games like a, a family thing or was it very much kind of your thing or did you just take was, over at some point yeah i think it was it was kind of a uh how do you say that uh kind of a fun thing that, that you my parents would play like once or twice and then it would become my obsession uh like we we would buy Pictionary, we would play it like once, and then uh, Pictionary on the NES. Okay. And then we would like they would stop playing it, but I would keep playing it to to death, like uh, every single day. 
trying to to get as far as I could. And uh, Pictionary, like the the drawing game. Yeah, the drawing game on DNAS was kind of a cool thing. How did that work? Uh, it, <laughs> so the, the the single player mode was you would play uh, kind of wireware style mini games to reveal a picture. Okay. And then you would have to uh, a certain amount of time to uh, write in a uh, the word that you think the the picture was. Just like and on a virtual draw- keypad. Yeah, you'd have actually a line of letters, and you would have uh, like running shoes running left to right, and then you would stop on the letter. That and sounds press kind of fun. Yeah, it's kind of cool, and the the music was great. Uh, I still listen to that soundtrack sometimes, <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty glad. And also, because I'm 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 um, natively I speak French. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, I think it helped me a whole lot to learn English because it was only in English. Ah, uh, okay. So I would not only have to do the mini game try to find what the word was, but then look it up in a French-English dictionary <laughs> and then input it. So it was kind of an added challenge That's there. That's good. It's a formative part of your education right there. Yeah. Um, but it, how, how did that work in multiplayer, though? Like, did it work in multiplayer? Yeah, so the multiplayer was kind of uh, not as great because you, you could draw with a... Uh, you had kind of a, a pointer on the screen. Okay. That you would... Yeah, you would uh, rotate to pick a direction with i think it was uh, left and right and then up and down to go forward or backward oh weird okay that's not how or, i expected that to work at all oh no it was terrible and oh no wait, wait it was it was circle to move forward while drawing uh, not circle uh, b to go forward and, yeah. and draw it's kind of like a and, like an etch sketch do you have, do you have yeah etch- yeah yeah and then i think up and down were just like put put a small circle or something like really completely useless in there anyway it was terrible it was the worst way to draw something uh and it didn't quite work very well that's a bold effort but, though i don't know yeah totally it's, it was it was a crazy effort and there's a lot of stuff like there's like maybe like 10 or 12 mini games in there uh and uh, like a, a board game system with dice and everything it's it's kind of complete it's crazy man that's discovering hidden gems here um, yeah. So, so how was that kind of you set then? So, as you grew up, were you just always playing the latest games? Uh, not the latest, because we were not like a, a super rich family, but also we were we moved to a smaller town called uh, Shikutsumi, uh, which is like six hours away from Montreal, where uh, there wasn't much of a video game culture there. So I would pretty much just borrow my friends' consoles or uh, play games at their place. How, how small uh, of a more, town are we talking? Uh, I think it's it's uh, back then it was fifty thousand people. Okay, so and that's it was not like crazy the, small. The, the the no, but it's it's like the biggest city of that region, so yeah. it was still pretty pretty small. And it was French, uh, like uh, most people there spoke only French, and the video games back then were not. Uh, like French friendly most of the time. Yeah. I mean, to be fair though, so, around that period, there wouldn't have been a huge amount of translation beyond like RPGs and stuff that you could probably get by, I'd say. Right, but it was still a turn off when, when like, uh, I think the industry was starting to have like like magazines and all that, but we we would not get that in in French. Oh no way. Uh, uh, no, but well, there were some some magazines that I could find in like uh, flea markets and all that that would would come from France or something. But we we didn't really have a, a like 
video game magazines in, in Quebec. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was a big change to move to Montreal uh, after uh, my youth and figure out that everybody here is just playing games, making games, uh, reading comics, writing comics. So when you were younger big, then, did change. you not have the... Did you not have that community arranger in this small town? Uh, I mean, I, people? I had a few friends that we would play like uh, Dungeons and Dragons and play a little bit of uh, uh, video games, but it's still pretty limited. Uh, like it was not like my whole life. Most of my time was spent more like playing outside or uh, drawing stuff so by it was just myself. Like an extra part of your youth, basically a little toy to play with. Yeah, pretty much. When did that? But it was always. Uh, when did that change? Uh, yeah, I think it's it's when I got to Sejep, uh, uh, which is like the the college in here, uh, and I went into a program that had a lot of people coming from Montreal and Quebec and bigger cities, and I discovered more creative people, and because um, I went I went to study in, in advertising. Okay. Uh, so what so part did that then? Why, why, why did you decide on that? It was it was a uh, one way uh, to be an artist and have a job, I think. And like at that point, I became kind of uh, very interested in in uh, print advertising posters and and uh, advertising in magazines. Like I would I would cut out uh, Rolling Stone magazine and and put up like the best ads on my wall. Oh, cool! And I thought it. I thought it was like a really, really creative uh, thing, but um, when well, it I, was when for I, a, a time, probably it, your timing maybe wasn't perfect for that. Right. I mean, d- during the studies, I realized it was more about uh, public relations and a little bit about graphic design. But when I got to do uh, internships. I think I was hoping for something very creative and visual, but it was mostly uh, like working on, on newspaper ads and, and uh, like really um, not so great client work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which I, which I would realize some some of the game industry is also that way. But uh, I got lucky and got a, a contract to do mockups for a video game company, and that, that really was a an incredible moment of realizing, wait, you, you can actually make video games. <laughs> uh, what, what do you I mean by, abs- by mockups? Like, do you just mean like concept art and things? It was, it was, uh, it was a company trying to get, uh, licenses from, uh, like big, big TV shows or, uh, like okay. they, they, they eventually got, uh, the prices right. And, uh, where's Waldo, which were, which became games that I worked on after that. Okay, but they needed a like a fake screen of what what the game would look like to go to those companies and try to get those licenses, which was really weird when you don't even know you can make a video game and someone tells you about all this this process, um, and then you get. So how did that, how did that come about? Uh, it was just a friend of mine who was was doing uh, illustration work and just didn't have time for that one, and just like dumped that client on me. And that became my job for like uh, four or five years after that. Just purely like doing pitches for, for video games. It, it started that way, but I, I got uh, I got involved in game design as uh, as I quickly realized like to make the, the, the mock-up, you would actually need to have an idea of what the game would be. 
and like you can't just put like a uh, Bob Barker on on a screen and say it's a Price is Right game. You need to actually think of what what the game would would play like. Um, that would be a, an interesting pitch, though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you are Bob Barker. Uh, no, so uh, yeah, it, it it became game design as uh, especially with with Where's Waldo, where I. I really love that 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 series of books. Uh, Where's Wally in your in your country? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Wally. Uh, uh, and I really wanted to make a game that expresses the same the same kind of feelings as the books do. Absolutely. And I, yeah, and that that was that was again a, a crazy moment of realizing there are like design ways to make a game feel good and a game uh, respect the brand and. It was it was it was a crazy moment. That's really sure. interesting. So you're kind of working backwards almost. Like you've got here's what the finished thing could look like. Now how would that work? And that's kind of yeah. your backdoor into video games. That's that's amazing. Wasn't yeah, there wasn't there I, a game that just came out that that is basically the where's where's Wally Waldo game? Is it like hidden? Yeah. There's a hidden folks. By, hidden uh, folks. That's uh, it. Adrian the Jong. That is. Uh, like a really really good uh where's waldo like game uh made for mobile phones and and steam and all that and it's it's great i i love everything about it yeah no it's beautiful i was actually i was at an event on uh, just this past friday in, in edinburgh there's a, a thing called uh, games are for everyone and it's they, they convert this kind of old cavernous um okay club into like an, a pop-up arcade basically so there's little games hidden everywhere and that was one of the games that was on on one of the screens and it just is so beautiful i'd never seen it on a screen that big i'd only ever seen it on the phone before uh, and it's so it must be great oh it was brilliant um mm. we seem that that all seemed to go like super fast your kind of introduction into games so did you not really play games at all even in in like university or anything did i not play games yeah like was it was it still just because you, you seem to sort of suggest that it wasn't something you were hugely invested in when you you were right. kind of growing up and so when you came to university was it was it a case of you know rediscovering games or did that just come through the design part of it uh, i think maybe it happened a bit before that where uh the internet happened <laughs> and okay, uh, okay. that that let me get access to more more games through uh emulation and roms and all that like i kind of caught uh, I got like the SNES and the uh, the Nintendo and Game Boy and Genesis era of games that I, I had missed. Yeah, and I caught up on, on all of that. And uh, I also had a few friends. By uh, at that point, I had a few friends who would play uh, board games and D and D and all that. And I got I got pretty deep into uh, video games at that point. Just um, digging into like the the histories and the back catalogs and stuff. Yeah, and uh, oh yeah, and PC games also. Like my dad bought a PC at that point, and we we discovered a whole new uh, series of, of, of genres to to, to play, uh, which was uh, very inspiring. But that, back then, I didn't I didn't even know you could make games, so it was inspiring more like in terms of uh, comics that I would make or uh, like things that I would write, maybe. Yeah, they're just new new literal <laughs> inspirations for like ideas for yeah. stories and characters and things. Um, yeah, pretty much. When you sort of go through this phase, like I remember when emulation first happened and how just unbelievable it was. I couldn't believe that this was even possible. It was like 
I, 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 don't, I don't think I can I can put into words quite how monumental emulation was when I discovered mm-hmm. it. Like when you're playing all these games, was were there any that kind of really stood out for you for whatever reason, like games that you hadn't even heard of before, even or? Uh, let's see. I think. Uh, I think I, I, it, I think it's when I discovered the uh, the Game Boy Advance games, which is a okay. bit later, but it was it was still uh, pretty new. And yes, I, I pirated a lot of games on on GB back then. But uh, I think that's when I discovered a lot of different smaller experiences. Yeah, like as as games were trying to grow into like the PS One PS Two era of like trying to make the games as big as possible. I realized that there were a lot of small like like games like games like WarioWare where it's it's just this tiny dumb little idea that is just polished as as all hell and made super fun or um or games like Pokemon where where you you would have like little tiny creatures you would take care of in your in your little little device or in your PC if you were <laughs> yeah uh, emulating it uh so that was it, it was really that, about that... the variety do you think that really that plays into the, your kind of artistic sensibilities as well? Just the the design work of Pokemon is is amazing. Like all the different Pokemons. Yeah, yeah, and and, and the the not not minimalistic, but uh, like trying to do something small and easy to understand is clearly what I'm always trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I'm not I'm not I don't think I'll ever try to do a Skyrim or like a, a game that encompasses all the things <laughs> i'm always <laughs> gonna try to aim for like like in flintwick i aimed for like one very good uh feeling movement mechanic and then i added like uh elements that would interact with it and then that's it uh and i think i always try to 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 do that for production purposes but mostly for uh the player to be easy to get into that game yeah so so what about the the consoles and stuff did they kind of pass you by did you never really play on any of the playstations uh, I again, I borrowed a lot of consoles from my friends or played at their houses. Uh, I did get a PS One later on. Actually, all, most of the consoles that I got were always for this this one game. Most of the time, uh, like I got a PS Two because I got into uh, Guitar Hero. Yeah, uh, I, I got um, and th- those were always super late in the in the life cycle. Uh, I got um, a 3DS for the new Super Mario Brothers game, which was not that great, but it was it was still like a good reason to get a DS. Sorry, not a 3DS, a DS. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually got a 360 really late to play the new Spelunky game. Oh really? Yeah, <laughs> it's the. I think I'm the only one that bought a 360 to to just to play <laughs> Spelunky. Well, I mean, Spelunky yeah. is one of those games that is. I think that's on every platform ever, surely, by now. It certainly seems by that By now, way. yes. Yeah, it took a while to to, uh, to get there for sure. I mean, to be uh, fair, but... the 360 was where I first played it as well. But, I mean, would you, you, you would have had yeah. a computer and stuff, though, surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, it came to computer later on, I think. Um, ah, okay. But... I didn't realize. I think I think Spelunky was also like a big influence on me, like the the original one. Uh, as I was working on games like Price is Right, and ended up doing like Amazing Race and the Bachelor games, and like it became kind of a a little sadder. Like I, as I discovered the the side of indie games and the games like Spelunky or uh, Meat Boy and all that, uh, it was it was like an a new horizon, like a new goal in my life was to make uh, a game as good as those. 
so seeing the new Spelunky HD version was uh, was a priority in my life for sure. <laughs> That's that. I mean, we're going to come to that, but I'm I'm really interested in these kind of pitch ideas that you're doing for the the quiz shows because that's like you know there that that's a I, I i i can't think of when i'll next speak to somebody who worked on games like that so were, were your pitches successful in a lot, a lot of cases or was it just the case of keep going until something works uh i think it was it was very successful in that uh the company was was uh, getting all the licenses and they were making the games and the games were I think success is mostly because of uh, a good, uh, like it was a good good business plan to get those licenses, yes. like uh, brand recognition. Put it, yeah, brand recognition, and and it, and it didn't quite matter if the games were good or not. Like yeah. I think, uh, I think the, those games were not so great. Especially my my first Where's Waldo game was was pretty bad in in hindsight, but uh, it was very well positioned, and so it was a success for them for sure. For me, it was an opportunity to to learn and and um, to to make game design and all that. Um, so, so when did that shift, though? So you said you were just doing pitches. So then you would have had to work back into sort of figuring out what that game was. And did the the company then just say, oh, "Well, just why don't you stick around and make that game?" Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty much that. I, it was mostly to do two uh, D art after that, which. Uh, was pretty weird to do to go from doing like uh, uh, little comics like little zines yeah and uh going to make like realistic prices right set uh images <laughs> uh but i i did i did learn a lot of uh of, of ways to use photoshop and all that which was very useful for the rest of my life um but yeah i think it was mostly with with uh working with a lot of people that did not maybe have game design sensibilities that much. Like we didn't have like a, uh, um, like we did. I, we didn't have a, a Where's Waldo fan in the team. So giving it to the game designer, who would try to make a game that would be fine, but it was not Where's Waldo. Yeah. Like it didn't have the spirit of Where's Waldo. They were just really doing like their job. Pushed basically. me to. Yeah, yeah. So it really pushed me to uh, go outside of my my role and and kind of take over a little bit. So you're, yeah. all this while you're kind of staring through the glass at this new indie horizon, which is sort of just out of reach. So yeah. how did you start kind of moving across? Uh, I tried a couple of things. I tried I tried uh, making games in Game Maker and uh, Multimedia Fusion and ended up working in, in Flash mostly. I learned how to script in Flash and, and very barely... Uh, could do anything in it, but I did manage to do a couple of really small games. Uh, I did one that was called Geek Mind. There's uh, a very simple like trivia, like um, you see a screenshot of a game and you need to type it in, type the name of the game in. And uh, it caught on a little bit on, on, on some uh, Flash game portals, which led me to having contract work okay. and leaving, uh, leaving that to do uh, freelance and doing contracts. Which was a great change, and that led me also do more uh, stuff on the side, so some more side projects as I was doing freelance work. And so, did you start like, you know, you're saying the people that you're working with on these kind of licensed games were just kind of you know doing their job, doing you know whatever was expected of them. Like, where did you <laughs> find people to collaborate with? Was there like stuff locally, or were you just reaching out to people online? 
I think I got I got very very lucky to uh, be there as the Montreal scene indie scene was starting up. We were uh, basically six people in the bar talking about game development and like little little indie game projects, and it rose up to over a hundred in like a couple of years. Uh, every every month we would meet up and have like a hundred people talking and and sharing ideas and talking about game jams and and. Uh, crazy creative stuff which was super helpful uh every time i would go there to show a game it would be a motivation and inspiration for sure so so why why do you think spelunky had such a profound effect on you it's hard to say i think it was it was mostly about actual game design like there there were some uh heavy design ideas that were explored through that game like i, I hadn't played the, the the actual rogue and and, and other roguelikes of the time so seeing the roguelike mechanics in game was completely new to me where uh, i would be used to more like uh traditional or linear ideas on 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 classic consoles uh i think spelunky was was going for something completely new of, of making a really hard game a really tough dynamic system and it was mind blowing in the time for sure. And did you like? Did you play that a lot? Did you did you master it? Have you done the various oh, endings? So much, yes. Uh, the original <laughs> was was <laughs> the original was was really was not completely fair, but so I don't think I finished everything. But uh, the Spelunky HD is probably the game I played the most in my life uh, on all the consoles. It's. Uh, it's crazy. Like I, I probably played like three thousand games of it, and it's it still surprises me. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a masterpiece for that. That that's fascinating. So so what about like did, did that spark an interest in like the whole world of indie games or, or just any games really, or or did, were you just kind of fixated on Spelunky for a couple of years? Like were there other games that had oh, like, I played- similar int- impacts on you? I played everything the same way I would I would get obsessed with with ROMs when emulators uh, came about. Uh, I would start playing all the indie games I could find as they were coming up. Uh, and the, getting an Xbox 360 at that point was very helpful for that, where you would get uh, Xbox Live Arcade and Xbox Live Indie games like every week, and uh, that really really opened up my horizons for sure. And like, were there other games that like had as much of an impact as Spelunky clearly has? Um, let's see. I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's any one especially, but uh, I started like regularly playing games with with friends, like pretty much every week. So we would get into a lot of uh, co-op games. Uh, like we would play, uh, I don't know, it's it's not a it's not an indie game, but uh, the uh, like the Lara Croft top-down games that were co-op. Uh, oh, the. Yeah, I can't think what that's called, but I know I know exactly the one you mean. And you've got like yeah. spears to kind of balance on yeah. and swing through. And uh, Go- Go- Guardian of Light. Guardian of Light. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, Castle Crashers, or like there there was a lot of uh, co-op games back then that were uh, super inspiring. And is that couch co-op? Is that people you just kind of in the same room as? Yeah. 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 I would always. I would. I, I never really got into online play that much. Like I tried playing some Counter Strike and games like that, but it was not. It didn't feel as uh, as rich as playing next to someone else. And were these people that you just sort of started working with? So you suddenly had this community of people into games and stuff. 
pretty much uh but also the people that that were in those uh indie game dev meetups like it was it was it was instantly a new group of friends uh especially as we started doing game jams uh we really got closer together and would play games a lot it was it was uh, a great change for sure um so you're saying like these kind of um concept art that you're doing to sort of pitch ideas that was your first idea of oh i can make games like that's a thing that people can do like from that point on did you mm-hmm. start thinking of various ideas for the types of games that you'd want to make or was this kind of like like when yeah, you decided it, to go indie were you kind of a notebook filled with ideas basically itching to get going yeah totally uh but i think it mostly happened when when i discovered the indie side of things uh like uh I was I was so in, entirely uh, consumed by by that that job at first that I was just focusing focusing on that, but as soon as I started getting bored of it, that's when I started wanting to create more more games. Uh, but I did I did I think I got lucky or I don't, I don't know where I got that probably from a book or something where uh, I would not try to make like the ultimate game idea. I would always try to do something pretty small like. Uh, uh, like that trivia game, or uh, I would try to understand how to make a like a sports game where it's just about getting a ball into a net and that's it. Like, would you would you literally like make these things like little prototypes, or were, you, were they just kind of thought experiments? Yeah, I would I would do the prototypes for uh, the smallest game ideas uh, that I, I come up with. But I would also do paper prototypes of uh, board games because I also got into board games a whole lot at that time. Okay. Yeah, but it was it was very limited, which probably helped me uh, keep keep my games with with, with smaller scopes. And uh, it was very very theoretical. But that's also when I started um, having more programmer friends who would help me out with my. Uh, my ideas, uh, especially in game jams or a little like one month uh, game dev cycles or, or something. That kind of leads me back into what you, this kind of shift that you've made, like the way you, you, you talk about it, it seems like it's very much uh, uh, an, an artistic endeavor. You're like, I want to be really exploring ideas and being really creative with these games rather than just making adaptations. But also that must have been quite a kind of risky financial proposition were you were you just willing to take that gamble basically um well i never really i never really went into uh making games on my own uh, like with with nothing else on the side i i got lucky getting enough contract work in the freelance years that uh that that would pay pretty well and would be pretty uh pretty lenient on on the timing okay and that did give me a lot of time to work on games on the side with with friends or by my on my own and um really follow the the uh the schedule that i i I needed to be creative and to come up with those those things so i would would never struggle with with money or anything because i would kind of split my time between the money making stuff and the creative uh endeavors yeah i mean i I think most indie developers seem to follow that kind of path and it's, it's good that there is that that work there i suppose to sort of help support people while they're making the type of games that that they want um so so right. where did you i don't know like at, at some point with that though there, there, there must come a point where you're like right i need to kind of 
at least not take on any contract work for a while then and i'm going to focus on this like solely so when did that kind of happen for you or, or maybe it hasn't i don't know but uh it actually happened when the two kind of merged together where uh tribute hired me to uh and uh, three years ago to just make whatever game i wanted uh they just basically were finishing up a game and wanted some other project to uh like occupy the rest of the team and they just told me yeah just come up with a game and we'll we'll start making it so it was really the best of both worlds to be paid to have a schedule to have a team and have a lot of creative freedom you you make that sound almost like yeah i mean of course they would do that i mean that sounds like an amazing day at the office where they're like okay yeah you can you can we'll hire you you can just do whatever you want like that's yeah, amazing it's it's not as as perfect yeah it is it is still amazing but it's not as perfect as that for sure like oh, i'm sure there was still a discussion have to make a game that would yeah it was, there was a little bit of a discussion there were, there were some pitches but also i had to kind of follow the uh the spirit of that company but it was still the most creative work that i've i've ever done uh except maybe some some game gems that were like more experimental uh, yeah and so but yeah so, it was it was it was a cra- crazy opportunity for sure so so and was flint hook like your first idea or was that something that kind of like had you already pitched that idea and they said okay yeah we like this try and go go make that uh, no, I did. I did pitch a couple things before that. We uh, started prototyping a couple things, but it was it was uh, it was kind of a challenge to uh, find the right idea that would uh, be exciting for people there. Like I would kind of naively uh, try to just do my my crazy ideas without thinking of others at first. Yeah. But I learned a lot about culture and and like getting everybody on board on a, an idea before producing it yeah uh and then i think it was maybe like the third or the fourth uh small pitch that uh that i did that led to flint hook now for, for my money right flint hook is now officially my favorite um like hook slash whip in in a video game uh, it's, nice. it's, it's not a huge <laughs> list, but it is, it is such a, a satisfying mechanic. Actually, I, I spoke about this at length with um, uh, Reagan Amir from, from Metanet, who I, I'm assuming you would know from that kind of area. And we were talking about the best whips yeah, in video yeah, games. Sure. So what is, mm-hmm. like, what what inspired you to, to build on that mechanic? Like, was there a, were you a big fan of Bionic Commando is the obvious question. But were, were, I was a big fan of... Uh, yeah, a big fan of Binding Commando, a big fan of uh, of Worms also. Uh, oh, the Ninja yes. Rope in, in, the ninja in Worms. Rope. Uh, which they, they both are like not similar to Flint Hook that much when you think about it. So They're it was actually more about, almost like, like an amalgam of the everything. two now that you've said that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think the one hook shot that was the most similar to what Flint, Flint Hook became is actually in uh, the Arkham games, the Batman Arkham games, where you would hook to a point and it would just zip you from, from where you were to that point and if you released at the right time it would give you some momentum to keep flying yes. around. Okay. Because uh, at that point I was, I was trying to see what, like all, all the games with hookshot would have like limits or... or um, 
make it kind of a struggle. Like like the ninja rope in, in Worms was all about like swinging and kind of weird physics uh, like manipulation, and it was not like it, it was great because of that, but it was also not the best for a, a fast action game, which is what I was hoping to do, like a fast, dynamic, uh, a lot of movement uh, kind of game. So I just try to remove all the limits to to that and make it as simple as possible, which uh, basically turned off the possibility of doing a physics-y kind of rope. Yeah. Because uh, it was it was too complicated and, and hard to understand. And it just became the, the simplest thing of going from one point to the next using the hook, which... Uh, is more like a dash because it's the, the the first idea were were was uh, how do how do I let the player move around more and it, I tried dashes I tried uh, teleportation and the hookshot was the most uh, obvious and easy to understand one that we found. So what I was asking is because the 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 hookshot and the movement around the levels is is such a kind of central part of the game. Did you kind of have to? nail that first before you started building the rest of the game totally uh we we were exploring that mechanic in like a, a test room or two uh like trying all the different ways to either like we were trying like hook hook to anything like hook to all the walls and all the ceilings okay we're trying enemies that you could hook through we were trying every every single possible thing uh like and I, I think that's how we got to a couple things that are weird in, in Flinthook, like um, the fact that you're aiming and moving with the same stick is not something that I think you would try on the first couple uh, iterations. Uh, it works but, so well, though. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I don't think everyone agrees on that, but I I keep thinking that it, it was the right move to make because it did let us put a lot more actions on the rest of the buttons on the controller. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's the kind of stuff we, we figured out through many different iterations at the the smallest scale possible. And like, I, I'm not sure that this is purely for my own curiosity. Um, and I haven't played, as I said to you earlier, I still haven't beaten the first uh, the first boss. But do the mm -hmm. levels open out more? Like, uh, it, it feels like the kind of game where you could essentially build like like a really long Super Mario level and you can almost play it like a, like a race or something. It has that kind of sense of, of momentum behind it, you know? Right. Uh, I did put a, a couple of rooms that are pretty long, but it's it's it was always tempting to do bigger levels, but it would, would break the rhythm of the game a little bit. Um, I think it, it all came from... The intention of being uh, having a really uh, rapid rhythm in the game, having uh, like smaller rooms that you can get through, like um, having a reward every time you, you finish a room, yeah. Uh, instead of having this one large challenge that would uh, only get you a reward at the end, basically. Um, and that was the that was a, the the that's what led to a lot of the decisions in the game, a lot of a. Uh, uh, small, small chests everywhere. Small rewards, getting the gold from enemies, um, like making making the loop as small as possible. Yeah, oh, it's like honestly, I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying it. Um, well, we're gonna we'll we'll loop back around to this, but um, I'm gonna take okay. a, a brief aside for some relatively quick fire questions. So, okay. Dom, um, like you've already uh, 
maybe you already know the answer to this, but uh, if you had to play a game with death for your own mortal soul, what game are you best at? Oh God, <laughs> that's a different twist than uh, than just uh, what what game are you good at? Because uh, I'm I think I'm pretty good at, at Spelunky, but I would never wager my life on a Spelunky game. <laughs> Well, this this has come up on the show before. Let's assume that death isn't isn't some you know pro uh, e athlete or e athlete. Do they say e athlete? He's not that good at games necessarily, but he's he's uh-huh. pretty good at most games. So if you if you right. if you're on the upper end of the bell curve, you'll probably do all right. Okay, I think I think we'd maybe try that. Uh, otherwise, I think I, I'm 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 very weird. Like uh, one of my my. The games I play the best, I think, is is, uh, is a board game called the uh, Jiper. Uh, I don't know if you've played this this card game. Never heard of it. How do you how do you spell that? Uh, J A I P U R. Okay. Like, uh, it's like a, the place. It's a game about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a game about trading resources like like uh, carpets and gold and silver, uh, and try to be the best seller of things. Uh, and uh it's a very like specific game but i I don't know why i never got beaten at it like uh i played i played it a whole ton and no one ever won against me okay uh so i don't know that is a really obscure choice but no that makes sense i suppose do you have to pitch is is this all your experience in the the ad business coming through you're making little tiny (laughs) mock-ups to to sell your your rugs (laughs) probably probably that's where it came from Oh man, that's good. Um, is there a, a game that has kind of consumed your life to the point where you've had to walk away from it and uninstall it and never play it again? Ah, God. Um, I think I think Hearthstone did that for me for a while. Uh, okay. But it's it's not that it's a bad game or anything. It's not. I think the gambling aspect and the money that it costs is not so bad. It's it's more that. I realized that I cannot afford to play the same game for so long as a game designer. There, there's so many new ideas and new designs that are coming up in in, in games in, on Steam, in games on consoles, in games on mobile, in board games, all that, that I I can't afford to spend like five years on the same game. Uh, and I, I spent, I probably played for like two years in Hearthstone and it was uh, it was hard to justify it for sure. It, it, Blizzard are, are so good at that because the same as you, like I, I've played Hearthstone probably most mm-hmm. days since it released and I still yeah. do play it. And probably even the last month or so since whenever the latest expansion came out, um, I've probably mm-hmm. played it more than I ever have, which is insane for a game that's like wow. probably three years old. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yet it still feels brand new. And you know they're doing the same sort of thing with uh, with Overwatch as well. They're just constantly, mm-hmm. you know, updating the game to make it feel like it's a new thing every time you go. Like, that's such a amazing skill and terrifying mm-hmm. in and, certain aspects. And it, it's tough because I I do want to explore also like uh, a game like like Overwatch. I, I decided to not buy it because I knew I would get too too, too hooked into it. It's brilliant. I, it's, it's, it's absolutely also, brilliant. But yeah, it is. I bet it is. It just it never stops. It never stops. It's terrifying. Yeah, and it, it it is something that I think as a designer I need to explore. But I'm gonna explore it from uh, like a more passive stance. Like I'm, I still watch people play Hearthstone to see how the game has evolved and how their 
maintaining the game and adding features and stuff to it. But I don't need to spend all my gaming time on on those games. Yeah, I, I shouldn't. <laughs> no, no, you're right. I mean, that that is the other thing about Hearthstone. It's it's the one game that I like. I will regularly watch people play it as well. Um, like more so than any other mm-hmm. game. I don't really watch any Let's Plays, but I do watch Hearthstone ones. Um, and I think like I, I've I've maybe spoken to someone about this on the show before. I've definitely spoken about it in real life with people. Is that the reason it's so kind of compelling? Is it's 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 like watching um, like snooker or something. It's very relaxing, and mm-hmm. the game itself is you're almost you're watching the player play against themselves as much as you are the opponent. You know, it's it's more yeah. their thought process. So it's there's something really uh, relaxing about watching them. Yeah, and it, it was the same for playing it too. Like I would I would play it while eating a sandwich every lunch or something because it was something you could take your time, like alternating between your turn and the opponent's turn, so you could relax and then take your time figuring out the strategy uh like it was a very a very good rhythm for a game uh, Absolutely. i think yeah it's i mean that's it's hardly the most uh, fascinating revelation in this chat that blizzard are really good at making video games but they <laughs> they, they really are what a surprise they really are yeah. um do you get uh, competitive about games has there been a game that you've kind of been embroiled in a high score battle over a uh, not really, because because of the the same reason I, I stopped playing Hearthstone. Like uh, uh, a lot of games I played that work uh, because that's the the game that they were playing at lunch or something. Like people would get into Street Fighter Four or uh, or Towerfall or something, and and I would start getting good at it, and then realize how much work it would be and how much time I would need to spend into it to get better at it. Yeah, and I would drop it just because I didn't want to like focus on that for a year or something uh but i did i did get a little bit competitive as as uh, me and my friends would a lot of towerfall or um a lot of uh, rock band but it's not really competitive it's more like it was a challenge to for me to get better at those games yeah i mean rock band not so much i think guitar hero it was one of the games that i became like incredibly competitive over but i'm i i do get like that i do get very competitive only with games that i know i can probably win though I'm a very, very yeah, bad loser yeah. in that aspect. Like, I don't really care about Street Fighter or even Overwatch because I, I know I'm not that great, but put me in front of a, a Guitar Hero or a, an Amplitude or a Frequency and I will not stop until I'm at the top of the, top of the tables. It's a problem. Um, right, what are we talking about? Competitive games, blah, blah, blah. So you're not that competitive. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I'm going to ask this, but I feel like I maybe already know the answer, but... If you are prone to such things, Dom, uh, what is your worst rage quit? My worst rage quit. Um, there's this one time. I think I very rarely get frustrated. Like I, I even when I play Dark Souls or, or anything, I I don't get frustrated because I know how the games are designed, and like very rarely a game is is unfair. Yeah. Or very rarely I play games that are unfair. Um, but there's this one time playing the Dune board game. I didn't even know such a thing existed, but okay. The Dune board game is a uh, is a very complex strategic uh, board game. What is the um, the purpose of this game? Is it is it cooperative against uh, a kind of unknown opponent, or is it competitive oh, no, amongst the team? Or I think each player. I don't remember the rules exactly, but I think each player was playing a family uh, like competing for the, the the spice for the resource of of dune okay and and 
you would have to do a lot of diplomacy to try to uh, prevent a player from reaching the the goal. Um, okay. And it's something that I found I found very interesting. I'm not that much into strategy game, but that one was very very good and very involving. And one of the players was uh, not as interested as the other players and just kind of gave up on trying to win. So it, uh, they were just playing randomly and that tr- totally threw off the game like it, with one action they uh basically made me lose and made someone else win uh very early on like not not very early on but like earlier than it should have yeah and like it, it was frustrating but i was i was mostly like trying to tell that person to like maybe maybe don't do that because it breaks the it breaks the game like it, it makes it there's no reason to play the with the rules or anything because uh like the diplomacy side of things doesn't doesn't work if someone is just playing randomly yeah uh but it was very hard to do that argument while losing <laughs> because of it while the other players were winning because of it and it just <laughs> it was so frustrating to try to express my my love for the game and my love for the system while kind of like being biased <laughs> yeah listen this isn't eyes. because i'm losing this no, is exactly. you're just you're ruining the rules of the you're not respecting the rules of the game it's got nothing to do with the fact that i'm in last place exactly <laughs> so I, I did i did get a rage quit on that one but it was it was also because it was it was uh i i didn't know how to i didn't know how to communicate that yeah to yeah the totally. that's totally not what <laughs> how i imagined a, a doom board game to be is that quite new uh, no, it's very old. I think it's from the 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 seventies, and maybe they're remaking it, or someone has as as uh, remade Dune. it since then. But it, this entire yeah, I, I I misheard you. Oh, I thought you, you said Doom. Oh, Doom! No, Doom. The Doom board game is the opposite of that. It's a co op, uh, like very actiony game. No, Doom, Dune, like uh, the, like the sci fi, like the sci fi. Oh man, that, that that all makes sense. I was like, yeah. Spice, Spice is Dune. I I should have made the connection then, but no, it's fine. Um, Sorry, it's, it's probably my French pronunciation. No, no, you're, you're, you're as 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 anyone who speaks second languages, your your English is way better than my French. Never apologize for okay. <laughs> the ignorance, British and Americans. Um, so, games, you know, they're able to offer all these wonderful, potentially wonderful uh, variety of emotions, but rarely the the games really make me laugh so um, i'm always looking for suggestions so dom what games have made you laugh um i think i mostly laugh with games that are dynamic and and random like like spelunky is probably the funniest game in my mind (laughs) uh where you would you, you would attempt something that should be pretty easy and then you you stumble and someone throws you into spikes later on or uh like the just the random interactions between all the different elements are extremely funny and and surprising i think i think i'm mostly i mostly laugh when something surprises me more than anything Mm -hmm. uh otherwise uh lately i've been playing uh resident evil with the new resident evil 7 with uh, with a couple of friends and that's also extremely funny. Like I think I think horror games are, are not that great to play by yourself because it's just painful. 
but with a friend it's it becomes extremely funny like uh seeing the reactions and and uh like being scared yeah uh, from the dumbest dumbest little things in the game is that in it's, like virtual reality or are you just playing it regular old way just playing on, on pc yeah and uh that's that's good enough i don't want to i don't want to ever touch vr for that game it's too too intense i i i i i, I totally see what you mean but i'm also like people keep telling me how absolutely amazing it is and how it's the game changer for vr um but i know i'd be terrified i'd wreck my living room just i'd lash out <laughs> in fear without without meaning to it'd be terrible yeah but that I also think, would be would, very funny for people who were watching that weren't me. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I think I would I would remove the helmet every time there's something <laughs> bad happening. Uh, like my like I that's why also I don't I don't play horror games by myself because my brain is telling me hey why why are you doing this and just like no we we shouldn't do this and just stops the game or uh, like I played I played Slenderman uh, the the video game mm-hmm. where there's this this horrible face. Uh, faceless dude that is haunting you and my first reflex was just to run directly into it yell some swear words and just quit the game with alt f4 like (laughs) (laughs) it's that my brain doesn't want me to suffer through those games so yeah that is amazing Um, that is the perfect thing to do in it because that if if there is some crazy psycho who's stalking you that's the last thing they're going to be expecting Is, it, yeah, is no. the person they're trying to escape? Someone just ran at Michael Myers full on. Maybe he would have just panicked. That would have been it. He wouldn't have had like ten movies. Exactly. Uh, otherwise, they, there are a few uh, bad games that make me laugh. Uh, I I recently played a game. I don't remember what it's called. It's like Gladi- Gladiator School or something. Okay. It's a very simple, like any game where you. Uh, you hire slaves that become gladiators, and you train them in your little facility. Uh, but we never got to see any of that because uh, we we hired a slave. Uh, we bought a little uh, punching bag in our facility, so the little little character on the screen is like punching the little punching bags, and and then the slave just starts running away, <laughs> and he exits the facility and just leaves, <laughs> and. We realized we also needed to build like security around the, uh, the facility, <laughs> and that was the end of our game. Like we just we were laughing so much about just that. The end of that story is just yeah, we're gonna start a school, but it's never gonna happen because <laughs> all, all our money was gone with that that little guy. I forgot it about was, walls. Was so funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you kept saying um, we then. So do you always play like with other people, like in a group? Uh, not always, but it's 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 clearly when I have the most fun and laugh the most. Uh, I can I can get into a lot of games that are more uh, like system heavy and, and RPGs and story stuff. Um, but I like playing with my friends. I like playing with uh, with my girlfriend uh, because there's there's so much to share there, and there's more more laughter and more uh, interesting discussions to have for sure. Absolutely. Um- I'm I'm just like during this sort of time, so the, the, these past kind of, uh, I guess, sort of seven or so years since you've been sort of working on more and more games. Like we haven't really thought mentioned that many games that have kind of come out in that period. So, what sort of games in the past sort of you know seven or eight years have really kind of had an impact on you or really changed your understanding of games? To use a very grand and mm. grand term. Uh, that's a good question. I think. I think as I, 
as I'm playing more games with friends, I kind of want to make more games that uh, would feed that uh, enthusiasm and, and interaction, uh, which I mostly do in in game jams. Like most of the game jams that we we did, me and our friends were uh, very multiplayer centric. I trying to focus on one interaction between between players, um, and it it doesn't show up in in Flint Hook. Uh, which was more an, an, an exercise in, uh, in single-player action. Yeah. But I, I, I'm still very interested in, in multiplayer and uh, cooperative work. And I still want to still play around with that. But also, it's, it's, like, it's something we can afford to do in, in game jams, to do just a, like a small game that is going to be played in maybe one event or a few friends, and that's it. Uh, while doing a multiplayer game is is much more expensive in terms of making an actual product out of it, yeah. Uh, but yeah, ended up just just doing those for 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 fun and for design exploration purposes. So what what about sort of games that you would have played kind of by yourself essentially? Like, is there, are there any games that have come out sort of recently that have really had an impact on you? Uh, let's see. Um, I did. I did play through all the Dark Souls games because they're so like they don't they don't they don't carry the player that much. Like they just throw the player in and they let you figure it out by yourself. Uh, and that's a masterful exercise in in design. Uh, but that's that's kind of a cliche answer. I wish I had another. No, no, no. It's mm. fine. <laughs> but that, that, I mean, it, that is quite interesting because that is like. Like, cause I'm I'm a I'm a, a writer, so I write sort of plays and I write for TV shows and stuff. And the, I watch certain shows, and, and there's a kind of an idea, um, in in especially TV writing that you, the 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 more confusing it is, so to speak, or you know, you don't have to the less information you offer up to people watching it, the more they they will lean in and pay attention, you know, and mm-hmm. but that kind of that's such a gamble you know and i'm sure it's exactly the same for games right. where you know you can if you if you go too far one way just nobody's ever going to bother getting through the first five minutes basically there's such a sweet spot you need to hit with that which i think is why dark souls are, are so good you know like i don't know if i would have persevered with all of the dark souls games uh certainly the first one that i played if there wasn't the internet there basically to tell me what was happening with certain things. That, that's actually very interesting because I do play with uh, with a guide. Like I buy the uh, the the official like book, the physical book, uh, the guide that goes with all the Dark Souls games. Because okay. that's uh, that's something that I'm exploring a lot these days. I, I actually want to make a game that requires you to work with. Uh, with a book and I think that that love comes from uh, one of my favorite games uh, Zelda 2 <laughs> okay. uh, cuz I love Zelda 2 because I played it with the official Nintendo guide that came uh, later on um, cuz I feel like that's such a that's such a new and interactive way to to play games to have uh, kind of a book of secrets or a book of uh, of uh, um, like there, there's more depth in the book than there is in the game in terms yeah. of information and, and lore and all that, and 
I, f- I feel like this interaction should be explored a little bit more. Absolutely. Uh, like maybe make a game that... Uh, actually, like uh, I think Nino Kuni came out with a physical book in Japan. Okay. Uh, and had like all of the... Because uh, it was on DS, I think, at first. Had all the, like, the spells, uh, movements that you had to do in there. But also like all the information about the monsters, all their weaknesses and all that. And I, I really feel like there's there's way more games that could... Um, game types that could benefit from having a a companion like that. Absolutely. And There's something really specific about a book as well and just being able to flick through and see things at a glance. Because most games have got like like bestiaries and lore and yeah. stuff all hidden in the menus, but you're never going to do that. To just have something you can just flick through, that's really good. Yeah, I think I think the last game that I saw do that uh, like on purpose was uh, uh, the game Year Walk by uh, Simogo. Okay. Uh, it was kind of a very uh, simple, like mist-like point-and-click with some horror elements, but it had a, a separate companion app that was telling you more about the um, like the, the legends and the mythical creatures that were in the game, but also had a an actual secret into that that second secondary app. They would then apply in the game. Oh, cool! Uh, and that was so great. It was so so cool to have like a again like a companion thing that that was very different. That was very separate. It's it's uh, like yeah, I think I've had this idea since Zelda two, but also like watching uh, the Last Crusade, where there's it's such an adventure to have this book that tells you a couple things, but not that much, and you have to figure it out by going into the the actual place and and then figuring out the link between the yeah, information totally. in the pages and the real world and, and yeah, they anyway, do that I'm, I'm kind in, of obsessed uh, about that they do it in um the uncharted games you have that like but again it's just right. it's another menu that you have to kind of flick through there's something different um i don't know if you heard like a few episodes ago i, I did a show with um with ken levine you know like the bioshock ken levine and mm-hmm. he he mentioned on that episode uh, a game and I don't remember the name of it, but it'll be in the show notes somewhere. Uh, a game okay. that he played when he was younger, and it was like, like like a very simple kind of adventure game, a very early adventure game with like super basic graphics. Um, but it came with a book, and you would go into like a room, and you would it would tell you go to whatever page two, four, three, and you'd go to that page in the book, and it would literally just be a passage describing the room that you were in, and you know it would be you would have to read to sort of understand what the blobs on screen were supposed to represent and then you played accordingly based on whatever the book tells you and i thought that was like a really i mean completely a a a, a thing of its time you know that's just the right. because of the limitations but i thought that was a really like cool idea for something yeah well we'll definitely look it up because it's uh it's been an obsession of mine for a while yeah. uh trying trying to figure out a way to to uh to do exactly that so yeah cool and there, there was i remember as a kid you used to get um the, the, some of the authenticators you know where you'd have like a clear bit of plastic right. and you hold the plastic up and you get different messages and stuff like there's all sorts of cool stuff mm-hmm. you can play with them I mean, it's crazy expensive and niche but still the the intent like, the artistic it, intent is is wonderful i think i think it's it's it might be nostalgia also because like um like even the first Zelda or the first Mario Brothers, like there's a lot of elements that were just a few pixels on the screen. And yeah. if you looked it up, 
the manual, it would like show you uh, like a full picture of like a dragon or uh, like a, a, a giant mountain with fire coming out of it where it was nothing in the game. Uh, and that's that's also a very rich interaction. And I think a like a kind of a good idea to do that in a, in a game that makes it easier to make the game also. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I wouldn't need to put it put in as much uh, effort in like making a 3D model that is super animated of a thing if you can just put it in a book. And then the player like like you said before would uh, interpret or interpolate uh, as much as, as as they need to and put themselves into the game through that also. That goes back to your your advertising roots. You just you just want to make cool posters that you can then interpret and inspire people with yeah yeah (laughs) um what about kind of like new stuff like you know are you still as excited about games as you ever have been like or more so or less so uh probably more and more because i'm i'm becoming obsessed with with uh seeing what's new in all in all the the new games like uh like this weekend i i just i just bought uh this this new battlegrounds game that everybody's playing on on twitch and youtube that is totally not my cup of tea but i had to play it to see if if uh if there was some mechanic or some game game feel that was new that really hooked people in or uh or seeing what um what kind of games that the Twitch community was interested in, and it's uh, it's a lot of work, but it's also a lot of fun to explore so much. Have you seen like speaking of, of Twitch and things? Have you seen any crazy Flint Hook players yet? Because I feel like that game's built for speedruns. I mean, it's, it's I mean procedurally generated, so it's not going to be ideal, but just purely in no. terms of a mastery of movement. Uh. I have. Uh, one of the players uh, has been following the game for a, a while and got really excited and figured out everything in like three or four days. Uh, and now he's doing the daily and the weekly challenges every every time. And uh, it's fun, but I don't think I've reached the, the surprising uh, skill level yet. Like, I, 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 I've yet to see someone really break the game and, and get through it better than than anyone else i've seen uh but it's it's coming i'm sure yeah it's only uh, been a few days i'm sure there'll yeah, be exactly. some amazing uh games yeah. done quick run at some point in the future hopefully but the the one thing that surprises me though is is we we kind of have a layer of, of secret stuff in the game uh secret paths and secret bosses and all that and uh it was on the forums uh a day after release like everything <laughs> everything was figured out no problem uh and i thought it would take a little bit more time than this maybe like a couple of weeks but no everything everything has been found oh man that must be that's that's both kind of awe inspiring and terrifying all at the same time and kind of disappointing it's a little bit of both yeah it's it's disappointing in that i was hoping that it would be like a, a little bit more of a community effort but it's more like one dude figured it out and then shared it to everybody <laughs> uh but that's also good in in that if someone is is Playing it like I would probably, they would just go to the guide and want to know how to get there. Like I would play Zelda 2 with a guide, maybe. 
you know, I, so, didn't even, I, didn't, that, I didn't even consider it until just now that there might be secrets like in in the same vein as kind of a splunky with like weird little interactions yeah there are <laughs> there are because I, I wanted to explore that that side of design like how do you like how do you hide something that is uh that is not only going to be figured out by the community, but like is going to be something that you can find out by yourself, or that um, that people will see through, like watching other people play on YouTube or Twitch, or whatever. Uh, I wanted it to be more interactive in that sense, uh, but also because it's part of the the universe to have like uh, I don't want to spoil everything, but the, like it makes it makes sense that that pirate universe to have like more mythical and and uh mysterious things in there oh man now i really want to go and play it some more <laughs> um i I, th- I think that i think we've covered all sorts of good stuff there dom if there's anything that kind of hasn't come up that you wanted to mention um please do take this opportunity or just you know let people know where they can get the game or follow you on twitter or anything sure um maybe going back to one of your questions before uh one game recently in the, the recent years that has uh, affected me a whole lot is uh-huh. uh, is uh, Proteus. Ah, okay. Because uh, uh, that game, like, um, I think it was it was GDC like five years ago, or maybe six years ago. Um, I went to see the IGF and I saw Fez win the the, the main prize, and. Um, like it, it just it just kind of destroyed me. Like I, I had a an anxiety attack in terms of how am I ever gonna make a game as good as as Fez uh, or any of the games that won that year. And I ended up going to the uh, an IGF party. I don't remember how I got there because I was like in a complete anxiety attack. But Proteus was there in a in a in a room uh, with a, with just a chair in front of it, and I just sat down and played through the whole thing. And when it ended, I was completely calm, uh, no more like anxiety, more confident in that there are some interesting things to do and calming things to do in, in game design. And realized there were like 25 people watching me in that room. Um, and that that game just made me realize that maybe there are more positive things to do with the games in, other than just being a cooler or... Uh, fun game like i think yeah. there are ways to to help people with games uh e- even if it's not as as guaranteed as 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 uh like therapy or whatever like it can still be uh, a very positive influence if, if that's designed i think that's amazing and also yeah. like <laughs> the part of me is kind of a little bit like and then i opened my eyes and there was like 25 people watching me that that must be a little bit scary as well after this this soothing experience, <laughs> and suddenly like wait, no, that was fine. It was it was uh, I was I was too happy to just be uh, kind of safe again and and um, not not completely in in despair and and, yeah. and all that. So and it was it was it was really about about giving myself a goal other than just hey make make a game that would win something or make a game that would uh, sell millions of copies. It's more like hey let's let's just focus on trying to make games that could maybe have a positive impact on people. Yeah. Let's just explore so, for a while. And that's yeah, exactly. sometimes that's good enough, you know? Yeah. 
yeah that's good that's a nice message to end on so so where can uh where can people i'll put links in the show notes but just sort of let people know where they can get the game and follow you and stuff uh yeah so flint hook is out now on um pc well on steam and xbox one and ps4 and you can see more information about that on flinthook.com or uh you can I, I would recommend just going on twitch or youtube and and like looking up some people playing it and you'll see that uh, people are excited about the feel of it and uh, how fun it is. And uh, yeah, you can follow my own, my own side projects and, and my next uh, projects on Twitter at dumb 2 d Mostly that's where I post my little doodles and little ideas. They're wonderful little doodles. Dom. Thank You're you. A very talented artist. Um, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's amazing. Was that okay for you? I mean, aside from, the old technical issue i think we got through that okay all right well thank you very much <laughs> and uh i'll be i'll be listening to more episodes episodes of uh of your show because it's uh the ones i've been listening to are very inspiring and it's it's such an honor to be uh, invited to this show oh thanks very much <laughs>